Thanks for listening to the Movement Church Podcast. Movement is located in Newport, Kentucky, and you're always welcome to join us on a Sunday morning at 1030. Hope you enjoy this podcast. Thank you for leading us this morning. Uh, my name is Josh. If we haven't met, I'm so glad that you're joining us uh, here this morning. If you're online with us, I encourage you. And in fact, even if you're in person, you're allowed to do this too. Uh, we love it if you talk during church. Uh, you know, if you're in the chat window right now, we've got some hosts that are there going to be kind of uh, leading you along and kind of asking some questions and giving you their uh, interactions and their feedback and their thoughts as well. We'd love for you to encourage you to do that with us. We also have in the Movement Church app our sermon notes. And so maybe you want to follow along or you, you heard something that was said by me that you said, I want to know what he was talking about. You can find a bit more in the sermon app there. So you just open up the app. Click the Sundays tab and you'll find the sermon notes. Man, I don't know about you guys, but there's been a couple times where I'm in a work environment and people are really excited to do an activity and I'm not. And namely, that's been when they've said, hey, we're taking a team building day. We're going to go do some team building exercises, right? And for me, it was we would go to a camp and it would be like off season and there'd be some counselors there and they would put us through the ropes course. They would put us through these things. Now, when I was in college, I was a part of a, a staff of guys and, and we did this right before the school year started. And, 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 uh, and I don't know if you've picked up on this, but I'm a larger individual, right? And uh, I'm tall. And so what they would do is we would have to get everyone up through this big tire. And it was probably, I don't know, five feet off the ground, six feet off the ground. Well, who's going to be the base of that, right? It's going to be me, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help get all the skinny, you know, 110-pound uh, former soccer players through this, right? And so I'm down there, which works fine, right, until they have to pull me up and around, right? So I remember I'm being pulled, and it, it's not flattering, and, and I'm being pushed in ways that, you know, I'm not very comfortable being touched there by friends or you know, by anyone for that matter, right? And, and I remember at one point the counselor is standing off to the side and he just yells out to us as they're like struggling to get me up through this big tunnel or this big tire and i'm like 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 halfway there he's you got to get underneath him you got to push get under his haunches and i'm like haunches like who says that anymore i'm not a dog like but there's little embarrassing moments where that kind of stuff happens right or maybe you've done the you've done the classic team building exercise the trust fall right the trust fall now i think the trust fall fail videos are hilarious you've seen those like they fall back and people get dropped you don't want anybody to get hurt but it's still funny and but my favorite is it, it appears like it's a dad with like their preteen daughter and they're going to do a trust fall right and so dad's back there he's coaching her through this okay you're going to fall back honey i'm going to catch you and they're like in the living room and she's standing right here and he's like okay okay take your arms and put them like this. All right. All right. Now you're gonna you're gonna fall straight. Okay. You got to keep your body straight. On the count of three, you're gonna do this. Okay. One, two, three, and she goes forward, <laughs> flat down, while he's behind her. You know, sometimes the trust fall doesn't work. But other times, I have to admit, as cheesy and as corny as it is, and as ridiculous as it is, and you know, there's some people in different lines of work and career that look at you know what they're doing, this team building stuff, like well. You know, you civilians, good luck trying try to do that. Like, basic training or boot camp's a little bit different than that. And, like, you go pretend weekend warriors. But we think about these events and these activities and the trust fall and all this stuff. It does usually work to some degree. It does usually produce more trust in those 
around you. It does somehow develop some cohesion in the team. And I think we all know this, but a key to healthy relationships is trust, right? A key to healthy relationships is trust. So we're in this series on the Sermon on the Mount, and and trust is one of the big kind of subtopics that Jesus is addressing. And we're picking this story up in Matthew chapter 7. You can follow along, there's Bibles around the room, you can get your Bible app open on your phone, whatever, but in Matthew chapter 7, starting at verse 7, and it'll be on the screen here, Jesus says this, ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you, for everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, we'll give him a snake. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others which you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. All right, so what is Jesus talking about here? I think that maybe our first thought is Jesus is talking about prayer. Like, what is our prayer posture, our prayer attitude with God? How do we connect with God in prayer? I think that's definitely going on here, but let's back up for a second, right? Let's back up for a second. Let's think about how he's addressing our relationships a little bit. If you remember from last week, we talked about this idea of judgment, right? And we said that Jesus used this hyperbolic, kind of absurdist, comic routine where he talks about so often we've got a two-by-four sticking out of our eye and we're trying to get the speck out of our neighbor, right? Like the speck in that neighbor's eye. And we're, we're judging them, but we're not seeing how we ourselves are failing or are screwed up as well. I think so often that when we think about how do we get someone to do something we want them to do, how do we change their opinion? How do we manipulate them, right? We, we could use judgment, We could elevate ourselves and belittle them. We could point out their flaws and conceal our own. You could do what Jesus speaks against there with that idea of of trying to get the speck of sawdust out of our neighbor's eye. You can get someone to do something with force, with coercion, with manipulation. You could try to get around them, make them think that the idea was theirs all along. Or you could simply ask. Or you could simply ask, which is a challenge. It's hard for us to ask for help. It's hard for us to voice a need. Hard to get transparent with someone you don't know or you don't know how they're going to handle it to simply ask. I think this is kind of what Jesus is talking about here. Ask, seek, knock. Because for our relationships with others, our relationships for others, for them to thrive, they need trust. Relationships thrive with trust. I don't care if this is work, marriage, siblings, parenthood, whatever. Relationships thrive with trust but of course that's hard we've been hurt we've been betrayed we know what it feels like to have our confidence broken so we conceal things we hold back we think we have to prove ourselves and and that's where it gets really tricky see a lack of trust can show itself by the way we pull back the way that we hide but we can also hide by by pretending we have it all together we hide by removing ourselves but we also hide by giving up this front We also hide behind our perceived excellence, our perceived that we have it all together. We kind of give people the illusion that we don't have any weakness, and that is how we are hiding. And so how we interact with other people tells us how we can interact with God. Jesus is using very relational language here. So look at what Jesus does say about prayer in our relationships with God. 
and that our relationships with God requires trust. Our relationship with God thrives with trust. Now hear this. It doesn't thrive with our diligence or with our efforts. It doesn't, it doesn't how it works. Here in the Sermon on the Mount, in this section of chapter 7, Jesus talks about the importance of trust in the relationship with God. He, he talks about the importance of trust here. He uses this idea of a, of a father. He says, which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a steak? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? See, I think so often, when we go to God with something, right? When we go to God, we want something to happen. And usually this is a really good thing. This isn't like, I want my enemies to suffer. This isn't, you know, I want a million dollars in the mail. This isn't stuff like that. This is about, hey, I, I'm struggling here. I need some help. I need some comfort. I need some answers. I need health to be taken care of. I need, I, need, I need family, I need relationships, whatever it might be, right? I think so often our posture is to say, well, I have to convince God of this, right? And, and it becomes like this cosmic chain letter thing, right? Where you've got to forward it on to five different people, you've got to reach certain thresholds or it's not going to come true. And we think we have to manipulate God. We have to, we have to manipulate things to make sure that we get what we're trying to get. See, Jesus tells us that the Father isn't somebody who's so far removed. Jesus is, is, is portraying his Father, he's portraying himself, that, that this is not something that you have to earn to get. You know, I, I think that this is one of the ways in which Christianity is so unique, is that there isn't some sort of ladder we have to climb to reach God. There isn't this, like, we have to jump through these hoops, we have to achieve some sort of morality or enlightenment, and then therefore we get God. God is available. And so when we ask, do we trust God? Do we think God's a good father? We have to assume that God is already, already right there. We have to assume that we've been adopted into this family. So we have to stop trying to manipulate God, we have to stop trying to manipulate others. Because we're so busy or put so much effort in trying to convince God to give us what we want. I think we miss what the good father's trying to do. I, I think that sometimes we, we go through this process where, where we're asking for something, we're asking for something, and we don't get it. And so our conclusion is that God doesn't care, God is absent. Well, perhaps the no comes from care. Perhaps when God says no, it's because it's for our good dads parents everyone who interacts with a kid you know that denying them sometimes is exactly what they need last night um, my dad and and some family friends of ours we were we were, met them for camping and we went to that you know glorious mecca of bric-a-brac and junk called cracker barrel old country store right and in the store area and you go around and all of these toys all of these things the kids want all of them right and we had to say no and it still didn't work and the kids were terrible so we left them with grandpa right that's what you do as mom and dad like you took care of that and grandpa had a great memory and loved all that but that got to take care of that because sometimes you have to say no right sometimes sometimes asking for something that we really want, we, we don't really need. And it's not to our benefit. And to quote the prophet, Garth Brooks, sometimes we thank God for unanswered prayers, right? And all that cheesiness. But there's truth there. Sometimes if we get a no, it just might mean that our good father knows better than we do. If we go back to verse 7, and Jesus says to keep 
on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. To nerd out with you a little bit, when he uses that word to ask, seek, knock, these verbs, the tense is, a, is something called in the Greek called eris, which is action and continued action. So a literal translation of this would be ask and keep on asking, it will be given to you. Seek and keep on seeking and you will find. Knock and keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Remember that the Sermon on the Mount is describing this countercultural way of Jesus. How are things different? How will they be different? What will be different about it? And I think what Jesus is saying here so often is that it's so much more of the journey, of the process of following Jesus than arriving at some sort of destination. Have you noticed this when Jesus teaches on what it means to follow him? He doesn't have this finish line in mind. Now you might say, well, well getting to heaven, yes, that's absolutely right. But in terms of in the here and now, it's not like we can somehow arrive, that we can level up, that we can attain something and then we're good. No, it's always a path of descent. It's always dying to ourselves. It's always serving others, sacrificing, and finding love and meaning and purpose and grace in the midst of that. So much of the Sermon on the Mount is a simple question of trust. It's not about doing the right things. It's not about behaving a certain way. If we just pray a certain way, practice our faith a certain way, then we'll get what we want. It's not about having all the right thoughts or opinions or putting the right people in power it's not about doing all these things to get God to bless us. It's God saying, this is available to you in the here and now. Now, this is the ultimate challenge there for the people in the audience who are fighting this oppressive thing, this oppressive force called the Roman Empire. And Jesus spoke to them and their challenges then. And that challenge and that question that so many of them had of saying, how do I get God on my side? How do I get God to be on my side? How can I get God to join me in what I'm doing? And that is not just an ancient world thought, right? That's something we deal with. You know, we often say, I say, God bless America. And there is so much of that, that prayerful ask that is good. Have you noticed that we don't say God bless India? God bless Japan or Mexico. We definitely don't say God bless North Korea, Iran, or Afghanistan. Have you noticed that, that inherent in there is that we want God to join what we are doing? We need, underneath that statement, that good statement of God bless America, we have to watch out. We have to watch out that we're not just saying, God, come and help me and bless what I'm already doing. We have to flip that and say, how am I a part of what you are doing? How am I joining you? Do I trust you? Do I trust you to join in this? So that's the ultimate question here. Do I trust God? The question is not, what do I have to do? The question is not, who's right, who's wrong? The question is, do I trust God? Do I trust that God is good? Do I trust that God has a better plan for me? Do I trust that God knows more? Now, that is easy to talk about maybe here on a Sunday morning. It's easy to talk about trusting God in the here and now, but remove from this, or maybe you're not even able to remove yourself from the things going on. Maybe you're just so wrapped up in the challenges you're facing, it's hard for you to see. It's hard for you to see how to trust God. When I started telling a camp story, I'm going to tell you another one. 
In fourth grade, I went to a camp. It was my whole grade, my whole class. Fourth grade with the Flat Rock YMCA camp. And we were there, and you get broken up into your cabins and all this stuff. And, and, and it was like in the spring, and I think they were like using us as guinea pigs, right, for the camp counselors that were coming in that summer. And it was like a bunch of college students that were still trying to figure it out, I think. And one day, we, our, our cabin had a challenge. It was one of these team-building challenges. It was called the King's Hangnail. Now, in my mind, this was a telephone pole. Okay, this is a telephone. It was probably maybe 10 feet tall, but it was a telephone pole in my mind at the time, fourth grade Josh, and it had a big railroad spike sticking out at a 90-degree angle. So it was the king's hangnail. And they handed you a hula hoop, and they said, here's what you got to do. you got to take this hula hoop, and you've got to get it over the king's hangnail, and you got to put the ring on his finger, but you can't touch the hula hoop and the pole. And then when you get it all the way down, you got to figure out how to get it up and back over and off go. And I remember the counselor like went and sat on a stump. And if they had smartphones then, they would have pulled out their smartphone. He was there for the long haul. So of course the fourth graders, the geniuses that we are, we, we pick it up and we just throw the hula hoop. We, we think, well, maybe we'll get lucky and this will work. Well, of course that doesn't work. And our counselor is a stickler. I think that he didn't, it was out of ideas of what to do with our cabin for the rest of the day. So we were going to do this. He said, nope, you got to start over. Nope, you got to start over. So we build like this little human pyramid. And of course I'm on the bottom and we're holding kids up and they're lifting the hula hoop and getting on. And we kept messing it up and we kept hitting the pole. And I remember at this one point where we're like straining and pushing and then like it collapses and we're all on our butts in the dirt. By the end of this, like kids are crying, they're frustrated, right? Like half the guys have their shirts off, we're trying to wrap the hula hoop. I took the laces out of my shoes, was trying to wrap the hula hoop so it wouldn't touch, it didn't matter if we bumped up against it. And it feels like we're just getting there, we're just getting there, and then the camp bell rings. Someone rings that big bell, and it's time to move on to the next thing. We've been there for hours. I remember hearing other cabins, they were doing all these other fun ropes courses and stuff, and we're here with this stupid hula hoop trying to get it over this pole. And it felt like every time we were getting a little bit closer, every time we were, we were just getting there, it wouldn't work. It felt like every time that we just get there, there'd be another thing, there'd be another element that we hadn't thought through. There'd be something else that smacked us in the face. And it felt like there was just more and more getting piled on. Maybe that's what it felt like for you this week when the school year got pushed back again. Maybe what it felt like to you is that this year started and you had no idea what you were going to face. And there's been all these moments where you thought we were going a good direction, we thought we were making progress, we thought we were figuring it out, we get, we have to start over. We find ourselves with tears and sitting in the dirt. Maybe it was you had a, had a, thought you had a safe job, and then turns out you didn't. Maybe it was physical health, and someone you know is sick or has passed. Maybe for you, it was just the, it's just the isolation and all those other things that, that aren't directly connected to the pandemic, but are made worse in the midst of it. Your mental health, your struggles with relationships, a, an infertility battle, the isolation, the debt that you might be facing the emotional and relational baggage. It feels like it's just more and more gets piled on top of you. 
it gets, gets piled on top of you, and you're not sure who's going to watch the kids and how you're going to do virtual school. You're not sure about work, and can the small business thrive and survive this, and, and what we're going to be facing, and what happens this fall when, when we're cooped up more, and then there's the regular flu that comes, and what, what do we do? How is this all going to pan out? You're not sure if you can keep going. You're not sure how much more you can take. Well, obviously, we can't change things we don't like usually, right? can't change the pandemic. We probably can't change the, the school situation. We can't usually change what happens with our work. We've got to vote, but it's not like we can really affect who gets elected or not. And by and large, these things are out of our individual hands. So what do we do when it feels like things are spiraling out of control? What do we do when it feels like things are spiraling out of control? Now, this is the point where I'm supposed to have an answer, right? This is the point where I'm supposed to say, you, you do this, and you'll be good. You pray this, you read this, you give this, whatever. But here's the truth. I don't know. I don't know what we're supposed to do when things are spiraling out of control. I wish I did. Now, as we deal with all the uncertainty and, yes, even the chaos, the challenge to trust God is hard. To be honest, I'm not exactly sure what it looks like in my life to trust God. But I do know what it doesn't look like. I do know what it doesn't look like. I know what not to do. I know what won't work. I know that just working harder, doing more, trying harder, trying to get the right plan, trying to pray enough or pray the certain way to get God to listen to me. I know it's not shouting down opponents or those who disagree with me. I know it's not just focusing just on myself. I know it's not just trying to get God, trying to convince and manipulate God to do what I want God to do. I know it's not just God, join me, join me. I, I think we have to ask ourselves as we're going through this Sermon on the Mount, as we've got a few weeks left, we've been in it for a while now, the ultimate question here is do we believe that Jesus is serious? Is he talking to us? Is this just some sort of metaphor? Is this for someone else? Or is this for you and for I? See, the Sermon on the Mount is all about trust. Trusting that God is up to something. Trusting that God is inviting us in. We trust God. One of the ways that we do that. Maybe one of the ways that we move forward, Jesus sums it up in chapter 7 in this little section right here. Jesus says, so in everything... Do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. See, part of trusting God is putting things into action. It's living it out. It is putting ourselves second to others. It is making sacrifices. It is serving. It is offering forgiveness. And these three challenges that we've been talking about these last few weeks has kind of become kind of over and over, and a mantra even of things that I keep coming back to in the midst of these challenges, in the midst of the chaos, in the, in the midst of the unknown, and all these things. What do we do? How do we do? I think there's three things. Like first, we have to hear the gospel. On a daily basis, we have to keep on asking. We have to keep on seeking. We have to keep on knocking. I think we have to work. We have to listen. We have to be intentional to hear the gospel. And if you don't know what the gospel is, it's this. God loved you and you didn't deserve it. God brought you into the family, and you didn't deserve it. God made a way for you to connect with him. And there's nothing you can do to get more of that or less of that. 
So we have to hear the gospel. We have to be reminded of where we, where we are, what we've been given. We hear the gospel on an everyday basis. We have to live the gospel. You know, Jesus kind of does a, a little modifier, essentially the golden rule here, like he does elsewhere. We have to live this out. And then we see at the end of John, as Jesus is about to go to the cross, he, he kind of gives us what's called the platinum rule. It's kind of been dubbed that. And so now no longer is it, is it just do, as, do to others as you would wish they would do to you. Now it's do to others as Jesus has done to others, as Jesus has done to you. It goes beyond the golden rule. So now it's, now it's not just like, I want to be nice to people so they're nice to me. Now it's, I want to give of myself. I want to sacrifice. I want to, I want to do things for others with no expectation. I want to love others as Jesus has loved us we hear the gospel we live the gospel we have to start with the gospel we have to start with the gospel because so often i don't know about you but i start with the to-do list i start with a plan if i do this then things will fall into place if i get all these ducks in a row i'll be good to go so we start with the gospel that message that truth that says we can't earn this that we're already in the family if we've said yes to jesus if we've said yes to all this we can't perform or achieve to get god's attention god is right there already but we can't do this without trust we can't do this without trust that if we are to be a people if we are to be a people like the Sermon on the Mount audience, if we are to be the people that follow Jesus after hearing this for the first time, and we take steps, we're going to live this countercultural way, it doesn't happen by us having our act together. It happens with trust. I'm going to invite the band to come up, Tim and Justin, and they're going to, they're going to help us, they're going to lead us into a next, our next thing here of worship. But as they come on up and get situated, and we think about trust, I hope that we see that trust and faith are pretty much the same thing trust and faith are synonyms that if we trust god we're, we're saying i believe if we trust that jesus said this we're saying I, I i'm aligning myself with you i'm saying yes to you do i trust god do i have faith in god so we take a step of faith we take a step of trust when we say yes in the midst of a chaotic situation, in the midst of unknowns, in the midst of frustrations and anxieties and, and the weight of things, in the midst of, of just trying to figure things out, like what do we do, how do we respond, I think our first step here is to trust, is to say yes in faith. We start there. We start there by saying, I'm saying yes to you, Jesus. Yes, you died on a cross. Yes, you walked out of that tomb alive. Yes, your spirit is leading and guiding us as individuals and as a church globally and historically. And then we have to ask ourselves, then we have to ask God, God, what are you asking me to say yes to? How are you calling me to say yes? How are you calling me to a life of trust, to a life of faith? One of the ways here at Movement and Christians for 2,000 years have said yes is through communion. And if you're at home watching online, you can get your elements ready. If you're here in the room, there's the little prepackaged cups. And we say yes in communion because what we're doing, 
through an act, not through a sermon, through an act, not through a dissertation, is that we are saying yes. It's simple, it's profound, and it's powerful. And so if you're in the room with us here, if you're at home getting ready, go ahead and get your, your bread ready. Get that little wafer. Peel off that top part. As you hold it, let's hold this together, and we're going to take it in unison together here in a moment. Maybe for you, you've taken this before because you're a follower of Jesus, and maybe you grew up in a tradition where this was a regular practice as well, or maybe it wasn't, but you've done this before. Maybe right now, maybe this just needs to be a time where you say, I'm, I'm, I'm saying yes to faith. I'm saying yes to trust. Not because I have answers, not because I have assurances of exactly how this is going to play out, but I'm saying yes because I think Jesus did something bigger. He broke that bread. He passed around. He said, take this in remembrance of me. Let's do just that. And if you peel back the rest, open up the cup. We have the juice that represents the blood. That represents the life. That when Jesus gave of himself, it wasn't just a metaphor. It wasn't just something that is a good story but it also wasn't just a tragic true story because he comes back and he walks out of that grave and so we remember how it starts when we take this he says when you drink of this cup remember me let's do just that so wherever you're at wherever you're at in the midst of trying to figure out how to trust God trying to figure out how to say yes how to take a step my encouragement to you, don't start with all the things that you can do. Don't start with saying, God, come to my side. Come and join me in this. Ask that question, how do I join you? How do I be a part of what you are doing? And that's complicated, and that's not an easy, direct thing. But it doesn't start with us just doing more. It starts with us trusting that the gospel is true. If you're willing, if you're able, let's stand as the band leads us.